0: Okay, thank you very much uh, for that, Hannah. Uh, Everyone, give me a wave, just so I know that you're hearing me. Brilliant. Um, If you haven't met me, my name's Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here, and I'll be just taking us through the second part of our series, um, the stories Jesus told. We started this last Sunday. If you missed that, you can just catch up um, online with that. We've been going through some of the parables of Jesus, and what we're going to do is we've broken them down kind of into groups. And what we're starting out is the parables of the kingdom, which I did last week, this week, I'll do next week. And then after that, we're going to be moving on to some different parables. Uh, and uh, we've got some other people getting involved in speaking on that. We recommended a book last week, um, Parables by John MacArthur. If you want to grab that, read that along with it. It's a great way of just studying some of the parables in a uh, more depth. Um, some of you kind of said you wanted copies. We've ordered them. They're on their way to you. You'll get them. Uh, very soon. So a little bit of background on the parables. Um, These stories that Jesus told, they appear in Matthew, uh, Luke mainly. There are some in Mark. There are none in John's Gospels. And a parable is a story taken from life that contains a spiritual truth. It's a big, a little story with a big idea. Um, And what we looked at last week when we started looking at these parables is we saw they have a twofold purpose. They are both reveal and conceal. So they reveal truth Um, about God truth about God's kingdom but they also conceal um, truth about God and his kingdom and the dependency on whether they reveal or conceal is the heart of the hearer and what attitude they take and how they go about it so those with Genuine, open hearts—it reveals something about God. It takes um, them deeper into God, reveals truth. For those with hard hearts who are in opposition to God, it actually conceals things, and actually we find can actually condemn them um, in their sin because they choose to uh, disobey God and turn their back on God, which was the um, what the Pharisees did. We saw um, in their opposition to Jesus in chapter twelve before we moved into chapter thirteen. So, to truly understand the parables, to truly get into them, is an open heart and willingness to come under their authority and to follow Jesus. And so we started last week looking at the beginning of chapter 13, where we looked at the parable of the sower. And this week, we're going to get the next section of chapter 13, and we're going to look at three parables today. Look at the weeds, the mustard seed, and the leaven, or yeast, some Bibles translate it, but we'll get to that. And so the big idea of what we're going to be looking at today is that the kingdom of God exists in the world and alongside the world, but it will grow in size and influence. The kingdom of God exists in the world and alongside the world, but it will grow in size and influence. So what I'm going to do is we can go through the passage and then look at some things that we can learn and some things that we can do. So if we go through the passage, it begins with the first section, uh, verses 24 to 30, on the parable of the weeds. Now, this is interesting. This parable is only found in Matthew's gospel, only recorded here for us. And so Matthew, the author, decided to write that down under the inspiration of the Spirit for us, um, for our learning. And what it kicks off is you've got three parables coming down. three more we'll look at next week. That specifically refer to the kingdom of god and the kingdom of god it's god's rule breaking in his uh where his dynamic presence is so wherever god is ruling and reigning that's where his kingdom is it's not a geographical kingdom like we live in the united kingdom with borders and you know when you're in and out it's more dynamic than that but wherever god is ruling and reigning that's where his kingdom is and jesus tells his parable and he talks about this one he goes back to that image of man sowing just like we saw in the previous parable and this guy he said he went out and he sowed uh, good seed um, in the field it's a good seed in the field and it was wheat and the good seed is a sort of a reference back to the previous parable. we know that when the seed landed on good soil it produced a harvest it produced abundant from hearts were open and people were willing and so Jesus is coming back to this idea and saying there's seed in the field that is going to grow and it's going to grow wheat and it's going to bear a harvest but then it says but while the men were sleeping, the men of the master of the field were sleeping, it says the enemy came along and he sowed weeds in the field. Now, why when they were sleeping? Well, when they were sleeping, it's just an image of the enemy being unobserved. He couldn't be seen because they were asleep. No one noticed, but he came to sow weeds in the field. And as I was doing research, this, I found out that the weed it's referring to, yeah, the language it uses, is a weed called Darnell. I think I pronounced that correctly, but basically it looks like wheat. I went and looked some pictures up online. So basically what was sowed in the field was a plant that looked just like the wheat that the, um, the, the, the sower sowed with the good seed. So they looked pretty much indistinguishable from one another. So these weeds, these Darnell weeds were growing up alongside the wheat, uh, one another, and it was very difficult to, turn, uh, to, to tell the difference. But what happened as they grew, it became apparent that there were not just wheat in the field, but these weeds were in the field. And the servants were like, whoa, let's go tell the master. We know you only sow good seed. How did these weeds get there? Where did they come from? And the master knew instinctively, Jesus said, he says he knew an enemy had come and done this. He knew there was opposition about And so the servants to respond, well, what do you want us to do? Do you want to go and gather up these wheels? Do you want to go get the weeds, get them out of the way so the the wheat can grow? Um, And the master responded with a very firm, no, I don't want you to do that. I want the weeds and the wheat to grow up together until harvest time. And the one of the reasons for that is that the roots can get interconnected. So if you pull one up with trying to pull one of the weeds up, you might end up getting some of the wheat and it becomes a problem. And the master isn't bothered by that saying, do you know what there's a harvest coming and at harvest time we can separate them out. And so when it comes to harvest and we get the wheat, we can separate out the wheat and the weeds and the weeds go and get burned, but the wheat gets gathered and goes into the harvest time. So it goes into the barn. So harvest time is a time of separation. When the weeds get burnt and the wheat gets stored in the barn, uh, ready to be used. And having done that, Jesus then immediately goes on to two more parables of growth. He've so got the parable of the wheat. He jumps into two more. and these are very short parables that he talks, very short stories, and he talks about the kingdom again, but this time these are parables of growth. We've so got about the kingdom in the world alongside the world, but then he talks about kingdom um, that is growing, and he talks about it growing in size and influence so something that grows from a tiny beginning that grows up very big and very influential and the first one is the uh, parable of the mustard seed now this is replicated in mark and in luke if you want to go and find them mark luke uh, mark 4 luke 13 i think it is but they're there and what he's talking about jesus says is again this is an image of a man sowing and he sows a mustard seed and he says it's the smallest of seeds. Now what this isn't is Jesus not making a scientific statement that the mustard seed is the smallest seed in the world and there's no smaller seed. It's just a very small seed. If you've seen one, you Google it, look at the image, they're tiny in the palm of your hands. But this seed, if sowed and left to grow, it will grow a very large plant. Mustard Uh, Seeds uh, grow up to about 8 to 12 feet tall, so way taller than any of us, so they grow these big plants, trees uh, that can go in the garden. It says the birds come and nest in them, and that's just a picture of them fulfilling their purposes. Because when a plant grows and it grows up big enough that birds that can nest in it, there is a fulfillment. It can be useful to um, the animals around it. And we see that being fulfilled in the prophecies in Ezekiel and Daniel. The idea of trees growing up and birds coming to live in them is a sense of fulfillment. And so Jesus is saying, the kingdom of God is like this mustard seed, which is tiny, yet it grows up and fulfills its purposes. And then he goes on and tells the one about the, the, mus- uh, the leaven which comes next. And some translations put uh, yeast in, you might have that. This one um, has leaven. And the reason there is, there's a slight technical difference. And the leaven just refers to um, a piece of dough that was left over. Because what they did was they put the yeast in the, the dough and they made it, made the flour, and they used it to bake bread, but they saved a piece. So they would save a piece of leaven, which was the dough with the yeast in it, and they would save that till the following week. And then when it would come to make more bread, they would then push that into the flour. It says in the parable, there were three measures of flour. They would take that piece of leaven, that leftover piece of dough with the yeast in, they would put it in the flour, they would work it through, And then that would then increase and go throughout all the dough that's been made up. And the three uh, measures of flour, I looked this up, um, and they reckon, one of the commentators reckon you could feed over 100 people with the flour there. That's how much bread it could make. And so this tiny piece of leaven with the yeast in, could influence that entire um, batch of flour that would feed multiple people. And so we have again the image of the kingdom growing in influence from what begins as a tiny beginning, could influence all that flour, which must have been a massive amount to make that much bread um, and grow more So we see the kingdom growing large, but also growing in influence as well. And as we move on through the passage, we find in Verses 34 and 35, Matthew, again, right for his Jewish audience, loves to put a bit of Old Testament in just to remind the people this is a fulfillment of what God has already said. And so he quotes here Psalm 78, verse 2, which, uh, where it says, and the Psalm there, Psalm of Asaph says, I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter what has been hidden um, for, since the foundation of the world. And it begins in 1st, 34, saying all, thing, all these things. So everything that's come before that Jesus has said, He's saying actually it's just a fulfillment of prophecy. Jesus would teach him parables. It's not all he taught, but he taught a lot of parables. We're going to look at that. And those things, he says, in there, he would reveal things hidden since the foundation of the world. And that language there, um, that phrase, hidden since the foundation of the world is a a phrase that meant things that um, God knows but cannot be learned by humans unless God reveals it to them. So it's talking about the revelation of God. So Jesus comes, we know he's God the son, he comes, he speaks in parables and in doing so he reveals things about God that have been hidden, that we could never have learned by our own understanding, we could never have learned by our own learning and searching. It's something that requires God to reveal to us. So Jesus comes and reveals God to us and that's what he's saying and that the kingdom of God grows and brings that revelation of all that God is doing in the world and then we get at the end of this section similar to the previous one we looked at last week we get an explanation specifically of one of the parables and this was the parable of the we so starting verse 36 going through verse 34 it says that Jesus said he left the crowds and he went into the house you think well, which house Well, if you go back to verse one you find out he came out of the house so odds are he was going back into the house he'd come out of. He'd spent all this time teaching the crowds, teaching them in parables. And his disciples, those who were close to him, obviously gone in the house with him, been with him saying, please tell us what this means. You've talked about weeds, fields, wheat weed growing up, weeds growing up, them being harvested and some of them being burnt. What's going on? And Jesus lays it out for them and we can learn from them. And he starts by saying, and the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. Now the son of man is a title Jesus liked to use for himself and it's a reference back in the old testament to Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 verse 14 where there is a Daniel's having this vision and there is one who comes before the ancient of days uh, who is like a son of man and he is given all authority all power and guess what a kingdom to rule over that will never pass away one that will last forever and ever and Jesus is putting himself saying I am that one that son of man that's me it's a title he used for himself, and he says, in this parable, I, I play the role of the sower. I am the son of man, and I'm come into the world, because the field is the world, and I sow the good seed. I go the good seed. I place my servants, the sons of the kingdom, uh, in the world. And we have the sons of the kingdom mentioned, and the sons of the evil one. And that, that phrase, sons, just means belonging to. So we have those who belong to the kingdom. I and mean, we those who belong to the evil one and they are contrasted with each other. And there's a, Jesus makes a very sharp distinction between the two types of people. There are either sons of the kingdom or there are sons of the evil one. You either believe you either belong to one or you belong to the other. There's no kind of middle ground. Exist, but they coexist alongside each other. Jesus recognized there is uh, an enemy who comes to sow uh, in the field as well. Satan, he is active in the world just as The son of man is active in the world, sowing the seed, but they live alongside each other. The sons of the kingdom are carefully planted. He sows them into the field, but both can flourish. Both flourish in the world. The weeds grow up as the wheat grows up together. But there is a harvest coming. Jesus said, there is a harvest coming at the end of the age. And he mentions the reapers are angels and the angels always appear envisions when it comes to kind of the end of the age they figure prominently if you read the book of revelation you'll find angels kind of coming all over the place so the angels are in there and he basically gives this horrific graphic image of what will happen at the end of the age which is a separation and a judgment a separation and a judgment and it says the son of man will be there and he'll send his angels and they will gather up People. It says specifically, it says, first of all, they're going to be gather up um, everyone out of the kingdom uh, of the evil one, those who causes all the causes of sin and all the lawbreakers. And it says he will throw them into a fiery furnace and into a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And what this is, the fiery furnace and the weeping and gnashing of teeth is a picture of judgment and misery. It's a picture of judgment and total misery and suffering that that image of the fiery furnace you actually might recognize again going back to Daniel as a picture of the wrath of the king there's a story in Daniel where the king he was a pagan evil king but he his wrath meant making this fiery furnace and throwing people into it and there's that similar kind of image where the the judgment of the king is is fierce and it is hot and those who suffer that judgment will be um, uh, victims and misery and suffering will be their lot but it's important to note, note out this judgment isn't vindictive it is uh comes out of who god is in his holiness and no one gets punished for something they do not deserve or something they haven't done and uh, those who are causes of sin those who are lawbreakers, which actually is all of us until we are saved by christ and he pays that punishment those who refuse to repent those who refuse to return they will face the judgment that their deeds deserve. If they do not uh, put their trust and faith in Jesus, they will suffer the consequences of that. Then it says in verse 43, it says, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And so there is a, a sense of those of us who have put our faith and trust in Jesus, who are righteous, not by our own actions, not by our own, merit, but only through what Christ has done, will actually, there will be a reward for that. They will shine like the sun. There will be a, a kind of a glorification um, and they will enjoy the kingdom of their Father in heaven. And then Jesus says at the end of this one, like He did at the end of the parable of the sower, He makes a very kind of firm saying: he "Says, he who has ears, let him hear." He wants everyone to think deeply on this. Don't just let this go over you and like it was just a simple story about images of wheat and weeds. We've got weeds in our garden. You kind of they're familiar. Now He says, you must look deeply, you must think deeply about this, you must learn from this and take something away from it, uh, which is what we're going to do now. So there's some things I want us to learn from this, and then there's some things I want us to do from this, and then there's some things I want to do particularly tonight that we'll do together out of this. So what can we learn from these parables? What can we take away from them? There's three things um, I want us to learn from this. The first one is that the kingdom of God exists in and alongside the world. The kingdom of God exists in and alongside the world. This is made abundantly clear in the parable of the weeds. The kingdom of God exists in and alongside the world. And when you think about that, the kingdom of God is in the world, um, just as the sons of the evil one are in the world, Jesus used that language. It explains a couple of things. The first thing is it explains opposition. It explains opposition to Christians, to the church, to the message, to the kingdom of God, because the reality is we face an enemy. We face an enemy who is alive and active in this world, and he is seeking to do everything he can to stop God's kingdom advancing, to stop uh, people becoming Christians, to stop people living their Christian lives, to stop people um, reading their Bibles, stop people loving their neighbours, stop people proclaiming the gospel, stop people coming on Zoom meetings um, late on a Sunday evening to be part of a church because they can't meet together. There is an opposition that comes uh, in all forms and it comes in a kind of a formal opposition where it's outright and obvious. It also comes in a subtle opposition where it's trying to just subvert you and divert you and get you away from, get you focused on the things of this world more than the things of God, get you bothered about the mundane things of life rather than the things that are eternal and will truly last and matter. It can come against you as an individual, just as one person in your home or in your workplace, or it can come in a much wider sense in terms of governments and groups who seek to set themselves against the things of God, against the church, And all those things are just evidence that the kingdom of God is in this world, but there is opposition. There is an enemy out there who is trying to kind of come against them. The second thing that you can look to is that it's the answer to the question of why is there sin and suffering? Why is there sin and suffering? The very presence of that in the world just reminds us we have an enemy. We have an enemy who has come to steal, to kill and destroy. We live in a broken world. It's been broken by sin and all that comes out of that, our attitudes, our actions of, of evil men and women who do horrible things to one another, even the own attitudes of our heart, which we try to kind of put off, but actually they're all there. It's just a reminder that we live in this world where the enemy is active and the enemy is doing what he can to stop God's kingdom advance. And as believers, we are told to persevere through that. We are told to keep going. We are told not to, to give up, not to lose heart, not to let our hands hand limp and our heads drop down, but to lift them up and to pursue after the things of God with all we have. And the wonderful example for us in this is, of course, Jesus. Jesus himself came. To earth, He brought in the kingdom of God. That's what he said when he arrived. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent to turn around, believe the good news. And what happened? Some people put their faith and trust in him. Some followed him. Some gave up what they were doing and gave their life to him. But there was also opposition. There was hostility. There was persecution. There was Betrayal. There were lies told about him. There were physical threats and abuse, and ultimately it landed up in a great travesty of justice and Jesus dying um, at the hands of sinful men. We we see he was um, a victim of all this, and then we see the story of the early church. I've been reading through the Book of Acts in my own time. I'm almost at the end now. I've got about a chapter and a bit to go, working my way through it. And if you look at the story of the early church, there are many wonderful stories of God breaking in God's kingdom, coming healings and people being saved and churches being planted. But it's also a story of just opposition of men and women coming against the church, trying to stop what God was doing, speaking out against it. The early church being told you cannot preach about Jesus. You cannot do it. They're facing um, abuse, uh, physical abuse, even death being martyred for their faith, and that is just the nature of the world we live in. We live in a place where God's kingdom is active and it's advancing and it's good, but we also live alongside a world where there is opposition and threat, and we just have to live in that tension of where we are now. The second thing that we can learn from these parables we've looked at today is that you are either in the kingdom of God or you are in the kingdom of the evil one. You are either in the kingdom of God or you are either in the kingdom of the evil one. There is no middle ground. The parable of the weeds makes this clear. There is you are the one side or the other. There is no fence for you to sit on. You have to make your choice. Even if you refuse to make your choice, you are still making a choice. Even if you refuse to push it down the road, I'll deal with that later, I'll with that. you are in essence still making a choice. And you have to make the choice. You're either gonna to choose to bow the knee to King Jesus, the King of his kingdom, or you're not. And that's as simple as it goes. It's not a case of I'm just thinking about it, I'm working on it, like you've got a choice. Are you gonna follow? Are you gonna to listen to his call when he says, come, follow me, leave everything else behind. I've got you, I'll provide for you or are you not going to try and do it your own? Are you going to be more interested in the things of this world and the things that are going on here, or are you going to be looking to the future and thinking, actually, I'm more interested in the things beyond this world, things that are going to last, going to last eternally. And you have to make a firm choice. You have to make a lasting choice. Uh, as the parable of the so we looked at last week makes that clear. You can't just make a, just a silly choice and then not back it up with any actions. You've got to persevere. You've got to keep going. So we've seen... Okay, so the kingdom of God exists in the world and alongside the world. You have to make your choice. You're either in one or the other. And the third thing that we can learn is the kingdom of God will grow in size and influence. We see this from the parable of the mustard seed and the parable of the leaven. The kingdom of God is going to grow in size and influence. From humble beginnings, tiny beginnings, uh, seed and yeast, piece of leaven, a little bit of leftover dough, it can grow and influence a vast um, area, a vast number of people. I looked up online at this process, I've just typed into search engine, how many Christians are there in the world today? It came back, there are over 2 billion people professing to follow Jesus uh, alive in the world now, which is huge when you reflect back, how did the church start? I said I was reading through the book of Acts, going back right at the beginning, we had a small group in an upper room frightened, alone, kind of, is Jesus alive? Some of us have seen him, some of us haven't. What's happening? The Holy Spirit comes, falls on them, fills them. They're out in the street proclaiming the good news of Jesus. Many, many thousands come to faith and the church is born and the story, the flame has not gone out. It is still going, it is still burning strong through the centuries all over the world and there are many places in the world where the church is growing exponentially explosively and that should be a great encouragement to us as believers wherever you find yourself in your situation in your home in your workplace and you're thinking is the kingdom of god here is god doing anything is he being active You can take heart by reading these parables and saying no matter how small it is, if I'm the only person here, I'm the only one in this place, then I am representing the kingdom of God here and God can use me to transform this sphere of influence I have. My workplace, my office, my home, God can use me to do that because the kingdom has come in Christ and it is growing in size and influence day by day, bit by bit, till eventually the tree will grow completely the birds will come in his field, the, the leaven will infect all the flower and ultimately god will reign and rule victorious when everything is consummated and brought together so there's three things that we can learn we live the kingdom of god exists in the world alongside the world you're either in the kingdom of god or you're in the kingdom of the evil one and the kingdom of god will continue to grow in size and influence so what can we do with this what do we take away from this what are what are we going to how are we going to earth this in life now there's three things i want you to contemplate now want you to think about doing now the first one is that you need to enter god's kingdom you need to enter god's kingdom if you're not a believer if you're not a christian if you're not a follower of jesus if you're not someone who has made some sort of profession of faith to follow jesus then you need to do so you need to do so right now you need to make that choice because the, the parable he tells us you're either in one kingdom or you're in the other kingdom. You're going to be in the kingdom of Jesus or you can be in the kingdom of the evil one. And trust me, you do not want to be in the kingdom of the evil one. And so how do we go about that? Well, you need to recognize who Jesus is. You, recognize, you need to recognize who he is. He is the king of his kingdom. When he came, he brought in the new kingdom of God and he, he was who he said he was. He was God the son. He came to earth. He lived the perfect life. Um, how here he performed healings and miracles and teachings that are still kind of being taught today. He is the eternal one. He is God, the son, and he came to earth. And then you have to recognize what he did, which means he lived the perfect life. He died the death on the cross in our place for our sin. He took the wrath of the father that was meant for us as sinners and lawbreakers, people who've fallen short of God's standards, feeling falling short of God's holiness. And you need to obey his call. You need to turn around from living your own life in your way. You need to turn and follow him. You need to repent, the Bible says. You need to put your faith and trust in him. You need to come to him as your father in heaven who loves you and is for you and wants to deal with you and wants to take those burdens where you've been trying to kind of live this life that works for you and and, and be as good as you can, right, and not realizing you can't. You cannot make those standards, that's what we have, Jesus, because he's made the standard. He is perfect. We all for sure. And you need to put your faith and trust in him. And you can't earn it. You can't work your way up to it. You can't do enough good things. All you can do is throw yourself on his grace and his love and his mercy. And so tonight, I want you to do that. If you're not a believer here and you're listening to this, do that. Now cry out to Jesus. Put your faith and trust in him. Say sorry for the things you've done, the way you've lived your life. And turn and put your faith and trust in him. Because the reality is you're not in his kingdom yet. And if that parable is true, which I think it is, it's in the Bible, we believe it, then there is something coming. A judgment is coming. And there will be a moment where you will have to stand before God and give account for yourself. And the reality is, unless we have Jesus, we will all fall short. We will all be realized at how bad we are, the things we've done, the things we haven't done that we should have done, the things we thought, the things we've said, all that muck in our heart will come out. And we need Jesus. We need Jesus to stand in our place um, and say no and we need to live in his righteousness uh, not our own so you need to put your faith and trust in him so that's the first thing you need to do you need to enter God's kingdom so if you're not sure do it now go and you can message us afterwards and we'd love to catch up with you on a zoom and talk this through but you just do it now make your faith uh, your commitment faith and trust in Jesus the second thing you need to do if you are a believer here is you need to learn about God's kingdom You need to learn about God's kingdom. You need to learn about the king of the kingdom and what that means to be in his kingdom. You need to start getting into your Bible and reading it regularly, daily, and understanding what it says and thinking about it. If you don't know where to start on that, just grab a Bible, go to the New Testament, grab one of the Gospels and start reading through They're just short kind of biographies of the life of Jesus start there. If you don't know where to start, just grab one of them. Matthew's a good place to start. We'll read it all the way through. If you want to maybe get into the parables, we sent this out on the church email last week, the list of kind of all the parables. Be reading through them as we're focusing on them now. I know some of you have started that, but make a study uh, of the parables. You read through the parables, read the little story thing. What's the big idea? What's this parable teaching? Write it down. Read them with your kids. We've started reading some of the through kind of for bedtime, reading some of the parables the kids have been doing. The kids work they're doing the videos today um great job on that video kids team and we've been learning them along with them start thinking about them thinking deeply about them take jesus words seriously We he says you e have he ears let them hear let them hear think about those things in your life group this week why don't you ask yourself a few questions ask each other who's reading the parables Ask which is your favorite one. Have you got a favorite parable that you come across, one you know, one you go back to, particularly speaks to you? Ask which one of them has spoken to you this week. Any particular ones jumped out to you? Any thoughts that you want to share in those things? If we recommend the book. If you want to get the book, grab that, have a read of that, learn a little bit more about it, get into it, get deeper. If you missed last week's sermon, catch up with that just so you're on track with what we're teaching and where we're going. Next week, we're going to be looking at the last sort of section of uh, Matthew 13, uh, and then we're going to go on to some parables uh, of salvation coming after that. So learn about the kingdom. Do what you can to get into God's word. Study it. Talk about it um, with one another. And the final thing, the third thing that we can do is to do the works of the kingdom. Do the works of the kingdom. We know God's kingdom um, is here. It is broken. It came with Jesus. He inaugurated it. He began it. But we also know it's going to grow in size and influence. Despite the opposition, despite what comes at us, it will continue to grow in size and influence. But we're not to sit around and just expect that to happen. We are expected to be active. We take kind a of New Testament teacher home. We're expected to be active doing things Jesus said to his disciples, going to all the world preach the good news, teach them what I told you, baptize them, all those things. And so we are to be proactive as believers, proactive as Christians, and trust that God will use us in that, use that in his purposes. So we're to do the works of the kingdom. Well, what does that look like? Well, first of all, we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to be believers, full of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray, God, fill me with your spirit every day. As you get out, one of your prayers, God, fill me with your spirit. And then we're to go out in the world starting with our homes, going out into our workplaces, wherever we find ourselves and do the works of the kingdom. We're to proclaim the good news of Jesus in every possible way we can. That's one of the important things. Make sure the good news goes out. We saw that in the parable It's so, so important. We have to sow the word of God. We have to proclaim the word of God. But it's also more than that. We we go out and we serve those around us. We find our neighbors and our friends and our family and our work colleagues and we do everything we can to serve them and love them and care for them. When we go to work we have jobs, whatever they are, whether they're paid jobs or unpaid jobs, we do the best jobs we can. We be the best workers we can in those situations. We raise our kids to know Jesus we do everything we can to build our marriages and honor our spouse we do everything we can to say no to sin we pray for the sick Um, and the hurting and the broken and those in pain and we see opportunities to do that to lay hands on them we find the poor and the outcasts and we do what we can to serve them we speak out against injustice uh wherever we find it in our homes in our workplaces we live lives of integrity in all that we can by saying no to sin and sin and saying yes to godliness we face suffering and opposition well when things are are hard as they are now in this season we're in and we're going through personal difficulties in life. We just face them well and we face them uh, by following Jesus and keeping our eyes on him and keeping going and we mourn when it hurts and we cry when it hurts and we, we seek help. We stay connected to church and its people so we can get mutual encouragement like we do here. We don't opt out because it's too hard because that's just what the enemy would want us to do. We keep going and we trust God that he will use us just like um, the mustard seed and the leaven to be influential and to be seen to grow for God's kingdom. So there's three things we need to do this. We need to enter God's kingdom. We need to learn more about God's kingdom and we need to seek to do the works of the kingdom. And so what I'm going to do now is I want to pray for us um, uh, as a church, pray for each of you guys. We're going to have another time of worship. Matt and Phil are going to lead us uh, in a song um, to help us earth that. But before we do that, Anna's, Anna's going to come and just share some stuff with us. Then I want to lead us in some prayer and then I'm going to pray uh, then I'm going to sorry, hand over to Matt, and Phil, and they are going to lead us in a song, kind of, to finish. So, uh, Anna, do you want to just unmute yourself and uh, bring what you want, to, you need to bring?
1: Um, can everyone hear me? Okay. Okay. Um, on Friday night, I started making some pizza dough, and God just started to speak to me as I was kneading the dough. I um was kneading it for a little while and started to realize that actually kneading dough is really quite hard work and the other thing was that the recipe said that I was supposed to knead the dough for about 15 minutes and I think I gave up after about five um, because to be honest it didn't really look like anything was changing or that I was making any difference to the dough as I was kneading it and I I just felt like God started to speak to me about the parable um, of the yeast And I felt like, I mean, at the moment, I don't know if if any of you feel similarly to me, it feels like at the moment, it's quite hard. Um, And it feels a little bit like it's a time where it's quite difficult to see um, that we're making any difference. It's quite difficult to see at the moment where God is and what he is doing. And I felt like God just encouraged me. And I, I think he wants to encourage us as well as a people that, What he asks of us is to keep needing, what he asks of us is to keep running the race, what he asks of us is to keep delighting in his word, to love him with all of our hearts, to love other people well, to keep expecting that we will see him move, to keep loving our neighbours, our friends, our colleagues, to keep delighting in him with our whole heart. and I, I feel like the heart of God in this season for us is that we would not fall away, that we would not stop kneading the dough, that we would keep going. His heart is that not one of his children would stop. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think as we're needing, another thing that, that I think God wants us to know and to trust in is that he will keep growing his kingdom, yeah. even when we can't, see what he's doing as we're needing and as we are continuing to make sure that we don't stop. His kingdom is growing. His kingdom will go into the darkest corners of the places that we get to go to. His kingdom will go to the ends of the earth. His rule and reign will reach everywhere. But what he is asking of us is that we don't stop, that we don't fall away, that we keep needing, that we keep running, that we keep going after him in this season.
0: Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Thank you, Anna. Okay, this is what I want to do with us all now is I want to just lead us in some response uh, prayer time. So maybe you just want to make sure you're comfortable where you are. Maybe you want to open up your hands. You might want to stand, uh, sit, whatever kind of works for you. Close your eyes. And I just want to lead us in some prayers and where you are I want you to respond in faith to Jesus, okay? It's just you and him. We might see a small image. We can't hear you. You're all muted. Um, But you can engage with the Holy Spirit there. So I'll start by praying. Holy Spirit, we pray you'd come. You'd fill us now as your people We need you, Lord. We thank you that you've been present with us, even though we're all separated in different houses all over the place. Um, We thank you that you are still present with each each one of us, Lord. And we pray you would manifest your presence amongst us now, Lord God. And I pray, Lord, you would fill us. You would fill us with faith um, for your kingdom, faith for your purposes. There are people here who, as we were talking and as Anna was kind of bringing what she felt God is saying, who are are feeling that pressure, who are feeling that either opposition, some of you are facing kind of opposition where you are, it might be in your family, it might be in your workplace, a social setting, it might be subtle opposition, kind of you think is it there, isn't there, but you're feeling it. It might be kind of more overt opposition, and it's got you down. It's got you uh, despondent. And I just want to pray for you guys and, and remind you that God said both would be here. Both would be happening. The kingdom of God will be working, but also the kingdom of the enemy. But he also promises in the word that he will never leave you or forsake you. He would never leave you or forsake you. He will be with you always. He will work with you and through you. He will fill you with his spirit. He will give you words to speak. In all and any situation, he will use you. Um, And I'll remind you what Anna says about keep needing, keep going, that the kingdom of God is going to grow and multiply in this world, and God is gonna use you. Some of you just need to make that statement to yourself now before God in faith and before the enemy, just to poke him in the eye and say, God will use me. God can use me. I am going to put my faith and trust in him and know he will use me in this situation where I find myself. For some of you, you're just almost feeling that kind of, what Anna said with the needing. it's just, I'm just giving up. (laughs) It's just hard work. It's hard work. Uh, being married and raising kids and keeping a job and keeping going in this time and plugging into another blooming zoom meeting and just to keep reading my Bible and keep praying that just the pressure is, is just hard. I'm not seeing breakthrough and, and you're feeling that kind of sense of God, is anything going to happen? And I want to say to you guys, remind yourself, God said, Jesus said that tiny seed, you might feel like that one that one seed. I'm the only Christian in my workplace. I'm the only Christian in my family. No one else here cares or knows what I'm going about. God said, I will use that and I will grow that for my kingdom. I will use that. You might feel like you're the only piece of yeast there in that leaven. And God said, I'm going to use that to work through hundreds of lives. I'm going to use your story. I'm going to use your faithfulness. I'm going to use your insignificance and your weakness for my glory and my kingdom. And so, Lord Jesus, wherever whatever you know you are in that whatever you feel the spirit's been stirring in you, I'm just going to leave kind of a couple of minutes silence and to let you do business with God. And then I'll bring it back kind of with a prayer to finish and hand over to Matt and Phil to pray. So just take a moment to do that, to take some time with Jesus and talk to him.